Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. Welcome into Berea, home of the Cleveland Browns. Another training camp in the books. One more to go before we spend the week in Indianapolis. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. The hat's on. The hat will stay on. We still have a few more weeks of training camp. A Saturday afternoon matinee for the fans. And, uh, you know, getting back to business today. A little bit uh, more like we've seen in the previous nine practices prior to yesterday. Obviously, day after the game. Gribble, take away from you. Yeah, it was definitely a physical practice. And there were some periods with tackling to the ground. And there was a moment... I don't know what happened, but it was like a collision, hard collision between Dearness Johnson and Greedy Williams out there that drew a fl- – it was called holding, but they negated whatever it was because they kept playing right from that spot. So it was interesting, but it was it was a physical practice, and I, I think that they go into this day off. That's what you kind of like to do, and then you'll kind of come in here for Monday, you know, have a practice, then maybe a walk through Tuesday, and then you're off to Indy, and uh, that's where it'll, it'll get started. Freddie did just mention before we start taping – that probably are not going to be tackling to the ground in Indy. So it's going to be physical over there. They're going to be in pads, but no tackling to the ground until the game. I'd be interested to see how fast these guys adjust mentally to tackling to the ground versus not tackling to the ground. Not that it's that difficult of a thing, but, I mean, once you get in that mentality, it's a little bit harder to shake it, and they were doing it a lot today. I mean, there, there were times where I saw a couple collisions or a couple tackles where I was like, ooh, I don't know. You know, there was uh, Jarvis got kind of tackled by two guys at once as he hit the ground, but he did a good job of protecting his body. But on that collision that you mentioned, I think it was a helmet-to-helmet that they might have been throwing the flag for. I thought they I thought they had did a holding signal, and then people were just like, what? It was, <laughs> it was, it was definitely an excellent it, it, hit. It, look, it looked like something went wrong. Like, yeah. the way they collided with no one having the ball, like, that doesn't usually happen, but... Uh, yeah, that that was the most physical moment of, of camp today. That was just like an eye opener. It might have been the best hit of camp entirely. <laughs> I mean, it was I. It got me jumping up a little bit. So, you know, it's good to see. Well, and again, if they're not going to be tackling to the ground on Wednesday and on Thursday, then it makes sense that today and maybe even Monday we're going to see a little bit more physical practices. Yeah, get them ready. I mean, the, I mean, they've got this game Saturday, but it was interesting when I was talking to someone before the before we taped. It's weird just how you watch these practices after a game. Like it's it's almost like these practices do mean a lot, but like once we saw a game, it's like that's how it's it's like I'm looking at everything a little differently. I'm not maybe overanalyzing some things a little bit more, but it, it really the practices really aren't any different, but it's just the way you take these things in are just so much different after you've seen this team on a field for a game. Yeah, I think it's encouraging. Um, the, their play on Thursday night was very encouraging, and it also makes it, you're right, you take, I think, every rep in practice a little less seriously. You give put less weight into every rep because you know, well, you know, despite all the ups and downs we saw in this camp so far, they came out and they looked pretty darn good on Thursday night, so... Uh, you know, you hope that they can continue. They'll get a good test next week when they go against a team that uh, didn't win its division but won a wild card spot and then immediately defeated the division winner uh, in the playoffs. So definitely a, a good litmus test for this team so far. Well, and, and a team with expectations. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to face too many of them that might be the only one in the preseason that has legitimate expectations. So what was your takeaway from today? Uh, well, I mean, for one, the kicking game was solid. <laughs> you know, for the first time, I think all of camp. Uh, Austin Seibert hit four of his five field goals, including from 53 yards. And then Greg Joseph came out and was a perfect five for five. 
also hitting from 53 yards, and each of them hit their situational kicks in a, a period at the end of practice. So very encouraging to see. Not the most uh, trying conditions. You know, it wasn't really windy or anything like that, but, you know, it's good to see them execute when they need to. Taking a look at the rest of practice and everything else from the day, uh, both of you mentioned, I came in, I said, if you had to give a game ball to someone, who would you? And both of you said, Terrence Mitchell. So obviously, uh, the DB continues to impress. He had a great stretch there at near, like in, in a red zone period. He intercepted Baker and then he broke up a pass in the end zone. I mean, he, he's just played really well. And I, I think that it's an interesting dilemma that they have on their hands, especially after hearing from Dwayne Walker today that Greedy, Mitchell, and Ward. They're all outside corners. He's not talking about them as potential yeah. options as a slot. So if you wanted to say these are our best three corners, let's get them all on the field, you can't necessarily do that. And I think that's that's why TJ Carey is, is your slot guy. But he was out today, so they've been playing a lot of Eric Murray in the slot, the, the safety. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they use that. So that really, to me, tells me it's more of a competition than we've been maybe talking about it because – uh, you're going to play a lot of nickel, but you might not be playing a lot of dime with, There's with only four two guys sides. out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's we can sound like a broken record, but he's been all over the field. I mean, he's just flying all over the field, making play after play after play. It seems as though whenever there's a contested catch, it's usually number 39 breaking it up. So that's been good. But, yeah, it's really intriguing. I think it adds intrigue to how the the safeties and the cornerbacks, in terms of roster construction, how many will be kept in each position group. Because if you have three starting caliber outside corners, then you have to account for for your inside corner. And then if you're going to move a guy like Eric Murray down into that, well, then you become a little bit more fluid and interchangeable. So how many guys they keep total and, and how many from each position group, we'll have to wait and see, but it's something that we should continue to monitor for sure. Uh, you mentioned the three outside corners. You mentioned what Dwayne Walker said today. Was there anything he talked today? Ryan Lindley, uh, the quarterback coach, obviously a very popular person when he comes to the podium, uh, had an extensive conversation with the media today. Anything that stood out uh, from either one of those guys outside of – the DB. I, w- I would say Ryan Lindley was um, effusive in his praise for Baker Mayfield, but it wasn't um, it wasn't like you know contrived or, or you know something that he just did because the media was there. It was it was in response to a lot of questions about him, but he wasn't just praising Baker. He was also praising really the entire quarterback room and the way he talked about it. It kind of made sense. He said he feels like he's lucky with the room that he has. He's got a lot of really smart players who pick up the system and are at a near mastery level. He said Garrett Gilbert is at a near mastery level of this system which I thought was really interesting, and he also mentioned how you know Garrett may not have a lot of service time in terms of games played, but he's been around this league a little bit, so he's got some experience and brings value as the third quarterback. And, and he also said you know he relates to his own journey because he kind of bounced around the league too before he turned to coaching. So uh, it was an interesting look inside that room because you know you look at the quarterback position, you just think of six, and then you, you don't think of anything really beyond Baker Mayfield. But you know there is Drew Stanton, there's Garrett Gilbert, and there's David Blau, and Blau had a really nice game Thursday night for the most part. So. You know, a nice look at, at the guy who's in charge of them and, and where they might be headed and how this might shake out. Groups? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – with I'll go back to Walker. And a, a lot of it came up with Greedy Williams, and it, it's focused on his physicality. And I thought he represented himself very well in that game Thursday from a physical standpoint, uh, and he has shown it on the practice field today. He's mixing it up a lot, and I think he looks bigger than he was when he got here. And I – you know, this all comes back to, I think he was asked the question, be like, well, why didn't he do it in college? I mean, did you ask him about this? And I, they say they really haven't talked to him much about it, but it's one of those things where 
they might have been watching Greedy make some business decisions in college, and they know once they get him here, this is what you were doing that for. You have to now reprove yourself. And I think it's given him a chip on his shoulder because, uh, like it or not, that physicality or lack of physicality cost him a lot of money. And I think that that's what's going to be driving him moving forward. I've, As far from a cornerback standpoint, I'm not saying he's out there lighting people up, but I've watched him and have had no issues with anything from a physical standpoint. I think Dwayne Walker echoed that. Yeah, the whole – tackling thing i think we could put that to bed yeah i mean it's, there's just the there's Thursday just night. not yeah there's not uh, he just looks like a corner like there's it doesn't look like a corner that can't tackle he yeah. just looks yeah. like a corner and he's not afraid to get his nose in there i mean i think that's the greatest indicator of well, why can't you tackle are you afraid to hit that guy's not afraid to hit not definitely not no got right in there uh switching back to the offense uh, kareem hunt getting a few more carries working him up uh and one has to wonder if we might see him a week from today uh, on the football field against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Freddie was asked about that after practice today, and it 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 in, it sounds like it's trending in that direction. But you know the way Freddie is, he's not committing to anyone uh, with playing time at this point in the in the week. I mean, they still got a, a long few days to go. I will shift gears. If I was going to add another game ball out there, a running back who I thought had a really good day had a huge run is Trey on Gray, and I think that he is someone. Not saying he has a great op- great chance of making the 53, but he's moved one spot closer. And if you're looking for someone who is more of a between-the-tackles runner and needing one of those, uh, he's maybe one of the only guys on the roster because the, the other other guys fit more the, the category of the pass-catching, scat-back type. So this is a big guy who almost looks like a fullback out there. But when he broke out in, uh, for a huge run today, he looked just like a running back to me. He looked pretty good in that fourth preseason game too. 6'1", 233, came on the field, and today, same thing. Showed you something that made you just go, huh, wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And, and pretty impressive. Yeah, his carry up the middle was a classic, you know, uh, uh, power style run. You know, he didn't have a, a lead blocker there, but right up, you know, right off the guard and right up through the middle of the field and, and basically had one man to beat and made him miss and then just outran the remainders to the end zone. So it's it's something that could add some balance to your backfield. It, it'll be interesting to see where he lands with this group. But he was hurt. You know, we, we didn't see him for about a week. And he came back, you know, a couple of days before that preseason game, was able to get some time. And, and we could anticipate some more time, especially if Kareem doesn't play in the second preseason game. I'm sure we'll see Trayon Gray get a few carries in that game. Offensive line update? Uh, you know, solid day. Uh, Eric Cush is the starting right guard. I mean, that's pretty much what we're yeah. looking at right now. And overall, the unit as a whole has played better. They were able to create some holes for running backs today. Nick Chubb had a nice run. Gray had that nice run. Uh, and they protected well for the most part. But it's, again, you know, it's not as easy to judge as it is in a game because they've been going against a lot of these guys for a long time now, and this is also a very good defensive line. But so far, I've seen nothing that has really made me concerned with the first two groups. And Austin Corbett, again, looking comfortable at center. More and more. Yeah. That make that position might seem to make a lot more sense. As in we, the long run, yeah. In the long run. Yeah. Not necessarily right now, but it would be nice to have that established backup center come the start of the season as well, and as you, we've talked about. You know, the way I look at it, too, is, you know, why not play the veteran at right guard and then a veteran in J.C. Treader at center, and then you have a guy in Corbett who could do both and, and can be your sixth lineman and can be the guy you've been looking for who can play both positions in the event that someone gets hurt, got hurt. We know what J.C. went through last year and playing through injury and everything else. We understand the physicality of a long season, and this is also a team that expects to play more than 16 games. So why not have a, a qualified, legitimate six linemen who can play both who you don't have to start i don't see any issue in that 
on the offensive side of the football, Jalen Strong got the curse of the best podcast available. <laughs> he came on, promptly proceeded to drop a few passes today. Didn't have a great day. Uh, anybody uh, that stood out in the wide receiver room for you, Gribble, today? Ishmael Iman made a great catch at, near the end of practice uh, in that in whatever the drill they were running there at the end. I mean, it, he he's someone that keeps making plays, uh, and it'll be interesting. I mean, again, it's I'd say it's still an uphill climb for him if you're projecting a roster spot for him, but uh, that's a play that you like to see him make, and I, I think he just he's been steady for, throughout from basically from OTAs until now, uh, and I this would be someone a few years ago we we would crown be the Josh Lenz player of training camp but since you're so established at, at wide receiver people are paying a little less attention to that but uh it's just a tough room to make uh but he he keeps putting himself out there that he you might think he has he has a, ch- a chance for one of those last spots Go ahead. Related to receivers, but tight end David Njoku with a really nice catch on fourth and goal uh, with the first team offense where they had to make some adjustments at the line. They they had trips to the left. They flexed David out, and Baker and Jarvis were standing right in the back of the end zone. Baker and Jarvis were communicating because Jarvis wasn't sure or wanted Baker to make an adjustment, so he, he gave him a little hand signal. Baker made the adjustment, then hurry, hurry, you know, got the snap, dropped back, threw it up to David Njoku for a, uh, a jump ball touchdown, and that's probably what he's best at, so... A nice way to cap that drive for them, for sure. All right, so Saturday's practice in the rearview mirror. We look ahead to the week. Uh, A day off on Sunday. Now, the last time we had a day off, we came back a little sluggish on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday. Or was it Wednesday? No, it was Wednesday. No, it would have been. Oh, oh. It was after Tuesday, and it was the Wednesday practice. Yeah, Yeah, it It was was Tuesday Tuesday they were off. Wednesday they came back. They didn't look as crisp, and we kind of expected that. It'll be interesting now. You're getting a day off, and it's on a Saturday night into a Sunday. Ah, oh, that's a good point. Didn't think so we had, we had last we week, too. Like? There's, we had a day off Saturday last week, too, after Orange and Brown. That's right. That was the, the Baker Mayfield's appearance at Progressive Field. Yeah. Yes. So the, great, the great beer chug. But it, it will be – Monday's practice is important because I think it sets the tone for the week. Oh, yeah, especially – how things are going to go here. Yeah, especially because you're going to hit the road the next day. You're, well, you're going to get on the plane and fly to Indianapolis, and then guess what? You've got some guys who are not wearing brown and orange. They're wearing blue and white, and they were pretty good last year. So you should be prepared for, you know, some battles for those two days, and it'll be interesting to see how this team performs against them and also if they keep their composure in, time, in trying times because more often than not, in a lot of joint practices, you end up seeing some fights happen, and I know that this team is very disciplined or has at least appears to be very disciplined under Freddie Kitchens. So it'll be a nice test to see how they handle another team that should be up to their standard and will be, you know, an overall good judgment of where they are. It's going to be interesting to watch. We should, we'll probably be following this a little bit, but it, it's not trending well for seeing Andrew Luck in action over there. He's not no. practiced in a while. Uh, I, I think the last update was on Thursday. He was going to miss at least the next three practices, so that gets you real close to joint practices, and then you wonder if it's just going to be Jacoby Brissett and Swag Kelly that we're going to be seeing. Okay. Jacoby Brissett, one of the uh, top, what, 35 quarterbacks in that list we went over yes. ages ago. It seems like ages ago. Who, by the way, has not had a bad camp no. in Indianapolis. I said they, he, he, looked like, happy. he looked like Aaron Rodgers against us two years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's uh, last memory I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that very clearly. He's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. There's a reason that they tried their best to keep him, hang yep. on to him. And so I think it'll still be a, a, a very good test, but – that Andrew Luck thing is a little interesting to me just because he, his his history with his shoulder and how he's had these injuries and how they've really had to work their way back, it's very touchy. So, yeah, I don't think we'll see him at all. Well, this one's interesting because it's a calf injury, and that's the I think yeah. there's been people making the correlation like after 
what happened with Kevin Durant, they're like, all right, we're going to – these calf injuries, we're going to take this very seriously because we don't we don't need Andrew Luck with a, a mm. torn Achilles here. That, that's interesting. So that, that, I think they're being extra, extra, extra cautious with this thing. And I would say if he doesn't practice this week, you won't see him in the preseason, and the goal will be September yeah, 9th. Right. I think that's – yeah, September 8th when they play. Uh, to open their season, whoever they open against, that will be the goal and forget about the preseason and at some point trying to get him ready. But, you know, that you're going to go up against guys in practice that uh, that might not subscribe to the theory that the Browns are America's team. Yeah. Oh, exactly. no, there's, there's going to be – This will be yeah. – Exactly. And you know what? For the first time in, well, at least 2008 and probably since the 80s, this is a Browns team with a big – orange target on its back yep and, and they're going to receive some tests from some other teams yeah all right gentlemen let's go enjoy a day off yeah i'm uh, good at that yeah exactly we're going to get out of here it's a it's a quick one today we're back with you on monday make sure you go to clevelandbrowns.com to get this podcast or wherever you get your podcast from make sure you download today's episode of the best podcast available i'm jason gibbs he's nick shook he's andrew gribble this has been the best podcast available